Good evening to our neighbors and listeners coming to you live from the 215 here in Germantown. You are listening to the award-winning InfoHub Hour with Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. And I'm Maleka Flynn. I live here in Germantown with my family. You might hear my baby in the background. Germantown <laughs> Info Hub Hour is all about news and engagement in Germantown. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org. Let's start our show. So for today's show, we are going to be focusing on two exciting groups doing archival and preservation work in Germantown and the broader Philadelphia area. One group sets out to summon sisterly history to preserve the past and present literary legacy of Black women and femme poets in Philadelphia. And the other is a community-based archive organization providing programs and resources in art, literacy, and social justice in a way that transcends tradition. They are consensus and archive, and both have been doing crucial and essential work around the neighborhood and the city. We will speak to them today about the importance of their work and how they're pushing it forward. Let's get into it. Well, we've already talked a little bit about what this one group is doing, but that small description does not scratch the surface of the work they've been doing around Germantown. Between having a schoolie, organizing book swaps and community cleanups and more, this small group is making big moves in Germantown. So now let's welcome archive representatives Doriana Diaz and Victor Jackson to the Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. How are you both doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing good too. Um not enjoying this heat as much as I wish I could, <laughs> but I'm good. <laughs> it's gonna be giving two air conditioners. I told people I'm putting two air conditioners in my um bedroom window this week, and I'm not even joking. People you know that I'm playing, and I'm like Pico just gonna have to see me because right. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> so, before, so before we get into the deeper questions, I just want to give you both some space to introduce yourselves individually and kind of let our listeners know a little bit more about yourselves and also telling us your positioning in archive. Um. Uh, yeah. So uh, I am archives founder, and at the moment, acting ed. Um. And yeah, Doriana is uh, taking my position soon. Victor, you are so much more interesting than that. I'm going to need you to give me a little bit more. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I, thought, I mean, um, you do all the things, though, outside of like archive. Who are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, outside of archive, I do. Um, I design furniture. Um, I'm also uh, a coder um artist organizer mover shaker writer mm -hmm. see listen to that like doriana like he was literally about to sit here and just be like yeah just the founder of archive and i'm like right what? that's it <laughs> <laughs> right i'm like you're a whole person outside of there exactly right um yeah you're right i i'm sorry <laughs> uh yeah so yeah i do a lot of creative things. I do a lot of things that are not creative and are community based. Um, and yeah, I do a lot of creative stuff in jazz. Um, so yeah, that's what I be doing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, let, let me let me just let Doriana lead on. Period. <laughs> um, my name is Doriana Diaz. I am 
multidimensional collage artist, um, archivist, and memory worker. Beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. So just talk a little bit about archive for me a little bit. And so like, what is some of the work that y'all do and that y'all set out to do? Well, uh, archive is a community-based digital archive. Um, we center ourselves in art and literacy works that um, intersect social justice. Um, we do not, uh, well, we, let, me, let me say this. We produce, protect, um, and promote uh, works, um, which are unlike other archives. We uh, have active um, stakes and the works that we either um, protect inside the archive are producing for the archive or promoting um, works to future, to join the archive in the future. Um, we believe in, you know, saving a lot of things. Um, we believe in saving works, but we also believe in saving people um, and community members to be um, a bigger part of what archives can be. Um, and so, you know, we have a lot of different projects that traditionally would not align up with a mission of an archive, um, but we find a way to make these missions um, aligned with actively serving our community and their needs, um, and also understanding the way that these things can have um, a future inside of archival work um, and understanding um, that archives will play a big future in teaching a future generation. Um, what were some of the good things that we did and also what some of the things that we needed help on um, and understanding that um, some of these missions and goals and um, integral pieces of community building um, are not always done because they were perfect at them. We're, they're done because we need them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Doriana, anything you want to add to that? No. <laughs> cool. Right. So I'm just going to hop into asking how did the organization form, right? So one of the things that I find interesting, again, about this group is that it does focus on archival work. And so how did how was that a need that was identified in the community? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, again, uh, I found an archive out of a very focused point of understanding a communal need. Um, I used to work for a non-for-profit that I um, will not name and that no longer exists. Um, and that folded. Um, I had planned, I had I had been an art, uh, a part of this non-for-profit um, since I was a child and then came back from college planning to work for this art, uh, this art non-for-profit, um, an, an activist non-for-profit, uh, basically for my life. Like I was very, very much like, oh, this is what I will do for the rest of my life. Um, and, you know, there are many reasons that this not-for-profit folded. Um, some would be quote-unquote founder syndrome when a founder founds an art, uh, a project or an organization or, um, and refuses to let it grow, um, <laughs> okay. past its own, uh, <laughs> past its own, uh, willingness mm. and or skill set, um, because of the way that, you know, capitalism forces us to, um, have such a quote-unquote identity related to the thing that we do when you do mission-based things sometimes the mission suffers and it no longer becomes about doing the thing it becomes about you being able to say and tell people you do the thing um and you know there were 
integral ways that we try to avoid the death of this organization and confronted these things. And um, at some point, it just didn't work. And we, a lot of us had to walk away. And when we walked away, there was nothing left besides the founder. Um, and the founder just couldn't do anything with what was left. Um, and part of that was so sad was that the things that were left were some of the art and activism that we had done over the years that could still be learned from, um, that could still be present. And once the organization folded, all of those works over the course of 10 years were deleted. Very integral um, individual works from different artists and community members and youth writers um, was just gone. And I felt that was the saddest thing of it all, was that there was no integral plan for this besides to exist in a way for an organization that could not exist into the future. It doesn't mean, again, like, it, it didn't mean that these works were not useful, you know what I'm saying? Or anything that we had did over the last 10 years wasn't useful um, if the organization was no longer useful to the community, right? It, it These things were not mutually um, were, were, were they just they just didn't have to exist in the same row whereas this organization died and so the, the the labor that we've done over the last ten years as an organization um died too and so I was like oh besides having a mission based arts organization there needs to be a mission based arts organization or archive that understands the way that this art needs to survive past the planning of what an arts organization does, which is just to survive as a non-for-profit. Non-for-profits want to just survive and keep going. Um, I want to help organizations and communities and or artists and or activists have integral plans for their work to exist into the future past their intention um, or capabilities. Um, and so I was like, oh, let, let me, let me do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Period. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Doriana, but I know that my next question definitely would. Yeah. Um, go ahead and ask it because I actually didn't I didn't know about the kind of origin of how that happened or was or yeah, came about to be. So yeah, go ahead and you can um ask. Period. So this episode specifically, I did say I wanted to um, kind of just go a little bit more into the importance of archives, right? And what it means to be um, an archivist or like even just jobs. So some people mm. wouldn't even necessarily identify journalism as an archivist mm. kind of like job, right? But those things that you write down are there forever. And even <laughs> when you think about when people do research, they're looking at old like you know, New York Times um, yes. articles from way back in the 70s and 60s, right? Yeah. Um, so this is that kind of work as well. And so that's been something that I've been telling Maleka that I want to be more intentional about um, as far as being a journalist and making sure that we're putting out the right energy and putting mm -hmm. out like the stories that people need to see, right? So it's kind of one of the reasons why when people are like, oh, like you should do the story about gun violence. And I'm like, eh, no, because <laughs> I just... 
I mean, why? Like so many other people are already doing that. <laughs> like, yes. why not focus on uh, what people aren't talking about, which is so much of the positivity that happens in Philadelphia and the wider, broader, just overall world, right? Um, which is why I'm talking to Archive today, right? Because yeah. this is a group that sometimes people kind of can glance over and not necessarily understand the value of the work that y'all do. And so mm -hmm. I want to know why for both of you, archival work is really important. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll I let think you go for, first, Diana. Oh, yeah. Um, I think for me, like, I have always identified myself in that sort of realm or, or didn't really realize that I was... Let me say this. Okay. So I think to curate anything is to really work with memory. And I think to be a memory worker is essentially to be... To, or indulging in some sort of archival practice. Um, and for me, I have always never really realized until the last couple of years that like that is what I was doing like I didn't really have the words to define it until quite recently but I think for me and my work uh it's there's something that is very spiritual and um is actually an energetic transference that happens for me specifically when I'm working with visual materials and creating recreating a new memory out of old items, tangible artifacts, if that makes sense. Most of the time, those things are visual visuals and images. But a lot of the materials that I source, um, I don't print anything from a computer. So everything is sourced specifically from whether that be magazines, records, CDs, um, old archives, research that I've done, um, anything that I find on the street. And I find that that practice, it is an archival practice in the sense of there's a recreation, there's a reimagination happening, but the use of the of the work, the use of the materials is liter literally artifacts. Um, and so I think there's something very delicate and sacred about that practice to me. And it has leaked into different ways in which I create, but the most um, influential one being collage pieces of collage art. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but it it 100% answers the question okay. <laughs> and you know what it put me in the mind of just so it can just so like maybe it makes more like maybe so like I can make sure I am making the connection you're making yeah. when I was speaking to Tamara of Black Soul Vintage when she was talking yeah. about what she was doing it put me it puts me what you were saying puts me in the same mindset of what like she told me um, yeah. about like making sure that like people know that there's some kind of like preservation um yeah. and, like value of you know, these different Black artifacts that people don't commonly think about and how much it's actually taught her. And she yeah. didn't really have a word for it. And I mean, while it's retail in a sense, it's still in that sense, like archival, like I, yeah. I feel the same thing. And so maybe I'm just, just let me know if we're on the same page. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's 100% that for sure. But I also think there's an element of it for me too that's like a recreation of something. Like it, it's not just like, there's a, this artifact and this material and I'm making it more accessible to people. It's kind of the idea of like that thing is then being cut up and pasted and remade into a bunch of different things that then all of us can also have access to. So it's kind of like the recreation of it or the reimagination of these materials and how can they like exist beyond what they like their normal function, if that makes sense. 
There you um, go. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. And so I think like even when you think about like old jet magazines or old ebony magazines or or like these old sort of objects that are probably most of them like in our grandmother's attics, right? Which is so so important and like probably boxed up in old attics that and we can't find them or we can't we don't know where they are. We don't know that our families have these things. Um and like to nowadays, like if you go to a vintage store or if you go to if you get lucky at a thrift store, like you can find a very old ebony, like 50s to the 80s ebony magazine for like $45 a pop, which is like insane because it's vintage now. But I like, I think there's something beautiful about this idea of like, I can get an ebony magazine and I can cut it up and create a bunch of different collages. And now we can all have access to this very important piece of our culture. Um, that maybe if it wasn't for that, we would not know, have have any access to it, right? Um, so yeah, I think there's something beautiful about the recreation of an archive. That's beautiful. And I just wanna say, just listening to you talk, you're very intentional and I can appreciate that. Um, I just wanted to say that really quickly. Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate oh. you. Oh, um, <laughs> um, Victor, I just wanna give you the floor. Uh, yeah. Uh, why is archival work so important? Is yep. that the question? Yeah. Um, right. uh, like I said, I think that for me, I have, um, way more focus on a communal serving idea. Um, I have, I've gotten nothing, um, by myself in this world. Um, and that's just a real true fact. Um, as much as individualism is a um, thing that um, is, I think, integral to Americanism and American propaganda, um, I know that not to be true coming from um, the life circumstances and, and class and, and, and history that I come from as a Black um, Germantowner. Um, most of the things that I've experienced that have been beautiful, that have changed me, that have moved me are um, works of art, um, works of labor um, from uh, community members um, interested in uh, an archival and saving of um, people and, and um, uh, you know, uh, products of you know inspiration um whether they be art writing um and or buildings or architecture or infrastructure or history um and you know for germantown that is a very integral part of who we are um and something that we all try to navigate from a different perspective and we are not always successful and so for me a lot of people think that archive is a germantown uh is a Germantown only org, right? And to me, I can understand as someone who um, felt comfortable enough to bring this organization and let it blossom and grow um, and um, protection um, uh, in Germantown, but it's not. And I think that, you know, it, it comes from a place where I've, as a child, have been so aware of the value of saving something. Um, and revaluing something and you know also as a furniture designer and stuff like you know I am so used to the process of understanding that something old um, and refinished and taken care of properly 
um, is sometimes way more valuable than something new. Um, and or I trying to identify that something is new. Um, and for me, I look that I, I feel that same way about you know actions, art, um, and the way that we view them. It's so integral to our survival at this point that we recognize the ways that we move people through art and movements and, and, and social organizing um, and see what is successful and inspiring change and progress towards a more equitable future. And I feel like only archival work can do that. Mm. I feel like only connections through the past into the present can do that. That's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Hmm. I'm just, I'm just marinating on that for a second. Um, just in general, it was like some, even just some packed things you said, I'm thinking about even the idea of buildings and architecture as archival work. And it's just like, it's something that never necessarily dawned on my head until you said it. <laughs> um, I just think more so of like the literary and then like photography and art based. Um, so just like kind of like festering on that. It's kind of like, wow. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh-huh. you know- oh yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying. I mean, up until very recently, as a like, you know, as a as a you know, as a gem of this new age, which is something that me and Doriana, as Doriana enters into her position over the course of a few months, as I as we all get her ready to take on this thing that I started, that she will take further and greater. Up until very recently, you know, digital archives weren't really a thing, you know. Um, and archival work was very, 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 very much tied to where it was held um, and how strong the building could sustain over years, right? Mm. Um, and that type of value, um, it's also connected to our parents' homes, um, our grandparents' homes. Um, these are things that we marvel at, that a house that has held three generations also holds three generations of stories. Every day, 365 for years and years and years, there were integral things that happened there to make you know, uh, a new generation possible. Not all of them good, not all of them great, but all of them integral and truthful to the way that we got here. And I want to, again, acknowledge those things and move forward into a way that we are making progress, not making propaganda, but making progress with unpacking those things. Yeah. Hmm. So you were talking about in general it's like how this isn't just a Germantown thing. Um, how do you think, you know, well, how do you hope in general to like make sure that it's still expanding and that people understand that? And how do you hope to like reach the wider wider Philadelphia area? Um, well, I think that this is this is something that is also going to be in the task for Diana, but I think that setting up a home base was the perfect way for us to do it, right? Which is again, quote unquote. Um, I always, again, I always want more people to, um, 
come to Germantown in a particular type of way and with respect, right? So I, I love that people associate our archives Philly home with Germantown. Mm-hmm. Um, I want um, that to be an integral part of archives identity. However, I want archive to be so focused on collaboration work inside of the archive that there are organizations and art organizations that are already doing amazing work for what archive does for Germantown, um, whether it be feeding the community, providing a art space, an integral art space, mm-hmm. um, working with community members inside of Germantown. Um, we also are working with community members around Philadelphia to produce works and protect works and promote the works that are already happening. Mm-hmm. Those are the ways that I want us to branch out and to find other uh, venues and, and artists and activists. Um, we also have a bus that I'm trying to get up and finished for the organization. So the organization can travel um, out their leisure to different places comfortably and, or, and uh, organize and help and promote and protect some of the artists and activists there and to put them inside the archive in ways that make sense for those projects. Um, again, like it, it has to be collaborative. It has mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, and the best way to do that is to do that with people who are already present mm-hmm. um, and to get in their input, whether good or bad. And that's the thing too, is like at the end of the day, our audience is the present audience, but at the real end of the day, our audience is 20 years from now when we might have moved on someone being like, is there any diary and artwork or products of people who started community fridges? Cause we need to start some community fridges and I need a, a, a how to guide a thing to watch out for, or just mm-hmm. real truth about the stress that will come along with this. Um, and, or the joys that will come along with this. Um, but I need an honest account. I wonder if there's anything out there and I want them to be able to find archives work. Um, mm-hmm. That is the goal. Um, cool. yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that requires, you know, collaborative effort. Absolutely. And I guess, I guess for um, Dorian, for you to like rephrase it into a more appropriate, I guess, answer is maybe like, what are some of the things you will want to see or that you want to like do? Um in the future, or even just collaborations that you were thinking about in general? Yeah, I mean, there's so much that I want to do. I think there's um, so, so much opportunity for um, the expansion of the free fridges around Germantown, um, of maybe even incorporating them inside some businesses, possibly. There's opportunities for collaborations with artists um, that kind of already exist in the people's lot, but kind of like utilizing that space um, for workshops, for, um, sort of like uh, open discussion panels, whether that be about food justice, whether that be about um, urban farming, whether that be about how to get black people closer to the land. Like there's a possibilities of like incorporating partnerships with community gardens that already exist in Germantown with the people's lot and like free, like the free um, plant swap. Like there's thousands and billions and trillions of ideas. But I think for me, um, it's really important to be where the people are. Um, and to ensure that um, our community and those of us that are those outside of Germantown that are still a part of this community, like have say um, in the spaces that we create and hold for one another, but also that as Vic has already mentioned that community care remains at the root and center um, and the origin of everything. And so I think that it's really up to, it's not just up to me, it's up to so many of us um, about how this is, carried through and how it continues to evolve and grow 
um, as the world does and as we do as individuals and as, as a community, um, as, as all of it. So I think that there's so many possibilities, um, so many ideas that I have, but um, I'm also really excited to see what other people are interested um, in being involved in. So yeah, it's not just up to me. Absolutely. That's a yeah. great answer. That's a great answer. And I mean, we're coming up on time, y'all. And I'm really upset because I would love <laughs> y'all more on the radio, but time goes by really quickly. Yeah. So what I do want to do really quick, though, is because there have been some great things that y'all have done within the past um, few months specifically. I mean, the work spans far beyond that, but a lot has been going on recently. Um, so I just want you to name one of your favorite things that you've done in the last, like, mm. Because I'd be looking at those book swaps and I couldn't get out to them, A, because one of COVID, when I had COVID, and then this last past weekend, <laughs> I had a birthday party to get to for a person who turned one years old and life Aww. is really important to me. Aww. That's beautiful. I'm trying to um, Go ahead, Vic. Yeah, Yeah, my favorite thing has been either the book swaps and or the curated walls mm. um, at the people's lot. Um, I wish that we had more funding to more frequently change out the um the walls for the community and um but some of the things that we have coming up that i'm probably going to be a fan of is the installation of solar at the lot um Mm. uh and you know the people's festival the return of our annual festival um for people's enjoyment entertainment and resources so i'm really excited that it's now going to be a block party in august that we're trying to get off the ground um so uh yeah like yeah i i gotta save the artwork at the people's lot um in the book swaps with our partner treehouse books down in north philly um we love them that's been amazing um for me i would say I had a really incredible time hosting a collage class on Juneteenth at the Bach Bar. Um, it was a class I was really proud of, and so many people that I, I love very dearly um, came out to support. So that's been my favorite thing. I love to hear those. Um, and then I just, I guess, lastly, really quickly, how can people plug in to like, stay updated with Archive? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, they can follow archive uh at O U R C H I V E two one five um on Instagram. Um and from there uh you can look out for our website which will be O U R C H I V E two one five dot org coming up very soon, closer to uh Doriana's tenure. Uh so yeah, like we're we're excited for those things. Yeah. I was about to say it's giving. It looks sounds like it's <laughs> it looks like it's giving. Um, and I really just can't wait. And I just want to say it has been excellent speaking with both of you today about archive and just overall archival work and just hearing your thoughts because both of you are always very intentional. Um, Doriana, this is my first time speaking with you, but I know about you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Your name awesome. definitely holds weight in these streets. So, you know. Um, and Victor already knows how much of a fan I am of his. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm not going to, you know, fangirl anymore while we're on here. But I do look forward to seeing what the group rolls out and accomplishes yeah. in the future. And, of course, I will be on the lookout for all the good things. And, again, it's been a pleasure. And I just want to say to please take care of yourselves and each other, okay? 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Once again, that was Victor Jackson and Doriana Diaz with Archive talking about the organization's work in the community. Now we will speak with two Black women and former Philadelphia poet laureates about their latest collaborative project, Consensus. Consensus is a newer project, but looks to accomplish a more considerable feat of memorializing Philadelphia's Black women and femme poets. One is co-director of curatorial programs and curator of spoken word at Philadelphia Contemporary, and the other is the founder of the Healing Verse Philly line. We welcome to the InfoHub Hour, Yolanda Wisher and Trapita Mason. Okay, Yolanda and Trapita, it is a pleasure to have you both here on the InfoHub Hour to speak about consensus. Trapita, you and I, of course, met at a storytelling workshop you did for us last summer. So it is it is really good to speak with you again. And Yolanda, you and I haven't formally met yet, but it's good to have you in our company as well. So I'm just going to ask that you both just introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about yourselves first. I guess I'll go first. Um, my name's Yolanda Wisher. Um, Germantown-born poet, uh, educator, curator, uh, somebody's mother, uh, longtime partner, um, lover, dreamer, <laughs> all those things. Um, and also, you know, homegirl of, you know, Trapita B. Mason. And, uh, you know, we're in the Poet Laureate Squad in Philadelphia. So over to you, Trapita. I'm going to stop you there because it sounds like Trapita, uh, we can come back to Trapita in a second when she has a little bit better reception. And Yolanda, I'm so glad to talk to you again and get to hear about your pro- your new project. Rashid, I don't know if you know, but I was honored to be able to get to be a part of Yolanda's old work, which was part of the U.S. Department of Arts and Change and that w- that involved a lot of radical imagination. And I'm sure some of it, she carried on with some of the work that she's doing in consensus today. So tell us a little bit about that and what it sets out to do. And then we'll get back to Trapita as soon as she's able to come in. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and you know, that work with the USDAC, we all go, there's a lot of folks in Philly that go back to that work um, that I did um, that was a national organization that had some local roots. And I feel like Consensus has a lot of that same kind of flavor of um, being sponsored by Monument Lab, which has this national reach and this regeneration project is initiative that they're doing is really about supporting community driven monument making all around the country and um, and really giving focus to um, the hyper local and the, the folks who are community creators um, of that work. And um, so it, it feels good to be honored to do that kind of and to be recognized and honored to do this kind of work that Trapita and I have been doing for decades, at least two decades in Philadelphia, um, you know, trying to memorialize the work of black women writers who came before us. Uh, we do some work at the Rosenbach teaching a course, um, a series of courses about Toni Morrison and other black women writers. Um, and consensus is a way to put that into action um, and to, to give it flesh and bone um, and to also leave something behind and to build a legacy for ourselves as black women writers um, and not wait for somebody else to make monuments to us and to say that we're important enough to be remembered. 
That sounds good. And I want to give Trapita a moment to just introduce herself and maybe add if she has anything. Yes. So good to see you all. Rashid, it's wonderful to see you again. And Maleka, always happy to share this stage and screen and page with uh, Yolanda Wisher. So I'm Trapita Mason. I'm a poet and a poet laureate, a community member, Germantown through Liberia, West Africa. <laughs> And, um, you know, civic-minded, trying to do um, as many projects as, pos as possible to amplify voices and consensus uh, is just one of those projects that we're, we've co-dreamed up and co-creating and, and implementing, and it's, it's exciting. So um, I know Yolanda shared the general overview of the project, and we'll have a chance to kind of share a little bit more. But yeah, excited to be here. Absolutely. And so you were already talking about how it's a project of the Monument Lab Regeneration Project, right? Um, and so I know it's a lot of work that probably went into co-creating it, co-dreaming it, um, and all of that, right? So how did it feel to like actually be able to start it? What was that emotion when you got like the grant um, to be able to do so? Um, what's the emotion for like, we did that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> that is the emotion. You know, like, yeah. I think yeah. we knew we had, we had such a, a good feeling when we were writing the grant that, you know, you know, when you find an opportunity that's just kind of made for the ideas that you have, it feels like it's yours before you even find out that they gave it to you. So we felt good about it going into it. Um, and it felt like, it felt like the right time for us. So it felt um it felt a little bit like yeah we've been working towards this um this very this very um kind of project and working towards building the kind of team that we could build around our ideas i think that's kind of what we've we've always been doing this work diy and with volunteers and you know this opportunity gave us an you know gave us a way to pay folks to work with us and to um to build their own portfolios and their careers. And we have this really a great team of black women and femmes that we're working with to do this project. Um, and we couldn't do it without. So uh, elated, overjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, I get to work with Trapita, you know, weekly, daily. We get to be in touch with each other, you know, and in service of this community of black women and femme poets. Yeah, and I and I think to add to uh, to everything Yolanda said, I, I agree. Um, and just to add the fact that um, it's been so long, you know, I think I may have shared separately, and Yolanda has too, that we think of these projects. We've been thinking of projects like this for years, but but we've always had to piece it together. You know, piece still comes out really well, but being able to piece resources together, so have the resources to do that. And there's a part of this too that's validating as well. That um, I think it's on a this project puts um, Black women and femme poets a bit more on a national stage, and also puts our work on a national stage. And it feels like a beginning, right? It feels like a part one or part whatever. But there there are many other parts after. So I think I share with Yolanda too with elated over the moon, of course. And then um, now, I mean, we're, we're just excited to see what it's going to look like. Um, you know, we, we're past phase one and, and we're moving on to other parts of the project. Well, it's definitely like Yolanda said, y'all did that. And it definitely sounds like something, a project that 
both of you were meant to do, you both were meant to do it together. And I wanted to reiterate the statement that you said, Yolanda, about uh, making Black women and femmes monuments in history and in the present. There's a particular focus on Black women and femmes in poetry. How did you figure out how that would be the focus of the project? What What's the importance of that? Well, that's that's who we are. You know, we wanted to speak authentically with and for a community that we were part of. Um, and also a community we felt was neglected and, um, and needed this kind of spotlight because it is so vital and kind of Philadelphia's best kept secret. Um, you know, I think of the vitality that this creative community of Black women and femmes has created in Philadelphia. How many of us have been mentored and uh, and uplifted and and held by Black women and femme poets in our communities? And how many of those those folks don't necessarily get the laurels that they deserve? Die poor, die without their work being acknowledged or even published or read in the ways that they wanted it to be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think we felt a profound kind of urgency that, you know, the things that happened to Zorniel Hurston's work or Phyllis Wheatley's work are still happening today um, and shouldn't be happening and could possibly happen with our own work. And what is the sense of community that we could build now and the sense of archive and a memory that we could build that could prevent that from happening and also create new things emerging that we didn't anticipate? Yes, all that. I think Yolanda touched on all the, the main things I was going to talk about archiving and uh, that's already in there. And I, I, I um, just want to share yeah, how from the very beginning, the project, the project has always been about that. It's always been about how do we hold up um, Black women and femme writers, poets, but also there are uh, individuals that are emerging artists out here when we were working on the survey, um, you know, we wondered about people who didn't think that they were poets, people who write and who are out here doing the work, but don't dare call themselves a poet. And I think a big part of this project is also saying, opening, opening this door, setting this table to say, you deserve a seat here, you deserve to walk through here, and to honor that, to honor our experiences. So this project is, it's really, it's essential. Um, for for all of us, starting with us and then moving backward for our ancestors and also forward. I love that. Um, You both said two words that I kind of like put together. And even when I was thinking about crafting this episode, I was thinking about, and the first one was archival and the second one was essential. And me personally, Maleka knows this. I've been talking about how I feel like a lot of times, even journalists, um, ourselves don't necessarily see our work as like archival work and important. So it's important mm -hmm. that we like are intentional about what we put down on paper or what we put down on the screen, right? Um, so what's the importance of archival work as y'all see it? Because I just think that that in general is something that should be like talked about a little bit more. And a lot of people sometimes do archival work, but they don't necessarily see it as such. Yeah, I, I want to touch on this because I spent some time uh, working at a local, you know, historic organization. Um, 
in Germantown. And I spent a great deal of time upstairs in the archive and just looking at the things that people choose to cherish. They choose to save um, and how important it is for people to feel like my legacy will live on, my words, my ephemera or whatever they have will live on. And then I put that into context with like poetry and the writers. And you're so right, Rashid, because many times we, we have to talk about value, right? Because archiving is also says this is really important, not only that it has a space to be safe and it can be kept and cherished, but also that somebody else is going to find it valuable. And, I, and this is something that the project is attempting to do. Um, the importance of archiving is the fact that many times our voices aren't there, our stories aren't there. And I really learned that from that, uh, you know, experience of working um, in the historic organization. For every thousand story that's told, there's, there were a thousand more that were missing um, from the storytelling. Um, so it, it is essential, but first we have to really believe that our work has value. And then we have to have ways to be able to keep it. And for some people, we have to be able to show people and tell people how you can do this. And that's a part of the project. Thank you so much for that. Oh. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I will just say that, you know, part of our project uses photographs as archival objects. And we were really drawn to these old photographs of black women poets gathered together. There's a photograph of the sisterhood uh, that features June Jordan, Toni Morrison, and Tizake Shange, and Alice Walker, mm -hmm. and some others, all at a in an apartment with a photo of Bessie Smith on the wall. You know, mm -hmm. and this was after a writers group that they participated in. You know, just to help each other keep going and to keep writing. And so we were struck by and started collecting these kinds of archival photos of black women poets gathering. And so we wanna create some of our own photos of that at this event that we're planning for July 30th um, and create our own kind of archive of images uh, that can live on and, and tell a story all their own. Yes, we definitely wanna hear more about this upcoming event, but I wanna go back to one of the things that uh, Trapita was talking about with this survey. That's one of the ways that y'all are archiving and doing kind of research work and it's being distributed now. What, what is the, uh, what's going to come of the results of that survey? What is part of the plan for this? so many plans for this survey. I mean, mm -hmm. so much storytelling that can come from the information that we're collecting, a lot of it demographic, but also a lot of it narrative, um, just about how you became a poet, what words mean to you, who first inspired you. And also, you know, information that we can act on, like what kind of resources do you need in order to continue to do this work? What would make your work more viable, more sustainable? Um, we wanna first, analyze that data and turn it into some really compelling infographics that we can share um, that can make a case for some of the, the actions that we wanna take with that. Um, and yeah, we're just excited to see what folks have shared with us. And we're grateful that folks have been willing to share, honestly. Um, and yeah, being able to turn that into infographics was something we thought of from the beginning. We were really inspired by Du Bois's Philadelphia Negro 
and the graphics that came of that. In fact, a lot of our graphic design was really modeled after that and drawn from that. Uh, so being able to, to render graphics that say something about this Philadelphia com creative community, but also could mm -hmm. speak to a national audience and say, hey, look what we have here, look what's emerging here. And maybe there's something like this in Chicago or Baltimore or Miami. Maybe there's some connections that we can make, some sisterly exchanges uh, across the country that could come this data. Yeah, anything that, oh yeah. No, I think Yolanda said it all. I mean, she covered all the main points of the importance of the survey and to be counted, to be counted, to be counted. Yeah, we we've been saying that a lot. The fact that we're counting, um, and we and we mm -hmm. had this goal, right, Yolanda, of trying to get over you know a hundred plus. Right. You know, we're we're yeah, we're darn near there or close to it, mm -hmm. and um and we will get there. And the family is just amazing. Um, and this is like probably fifty percent or more of the people mm -hmm. are folks that are writing out here that we didn't really know about. Right. You know, so that's amazing to be counted. Yep. And I mean, it's like y'all said earlier, this is part one, right? So this is just the first mm -hmm. step. And so it's moving towards something bigger. Um, and so there's actually an event happening next week called The Clearing. So I just want to hear a little bit more about that. And also, if there's a reason behind that name specifically, like the wording, The Clearing, and what that <laughs> means. You want to take yes. that, Peter? Yeah. So The Clearing um, comes from uh, Tony Mar oh, the wonderful Toni Morrison's uh, uh, novel, um, um, Beloved, where the character, most people will recall the scene from the movie, um, but the passage in the novel is just beautiful. But you may re recall um, the scene from the movie where people are, are uh, the, the Blacks and the African-Americans are asked to gather in the field and just be at one with nature and be at one with themselves in their body. And, um, I, you know, in that scene, it's just so beautiful, uh, the way that uh, Toni Morrison wrote it. So we're, we were inspired by this idea of a sacred space, a gathering, a space to gather, a, a, a space to be ourselves, a space to be in nature and to commune with one another. So the gathering is, you know, it's really, the clearing piece is from that, that, that novel but the concept behind it, the idea behind it is that we are creating, um, I, I think of it as like the feast, a feast for the senses, the eyes, um, the emotions, the sounds, all these things that we're very thoughtful and intentional about creating. And when um, these black women and um, black femme poets gather and come into this space, they will feel that same beauty and careful uh, care, uh, intentionality and, um, just, just this, this sacred space for them to be able to participate in things like walking workshops and, and sitting workshops and to be able to eat and commune and, and see art and hear poetry and share poetry. Um, so we're, um, I think Yolanda, we've been dreaming of this years before the Monument Lab, Pro Monument Lab grant. Um, but now the clearing is, is, is the stage for that. And then what we've done is just taking that stage and be able to create what we're trying to do is create this, um, this sense of just beauty and belonging for our sisters. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a private and a public component to this event. So the private part from 10 to 2 um, is for the women and the femmes to gather in this retreat setting at Albury. And then from 3 to 5, we invite the public to a, an open poetry reading um, that'll feature some of the, the Black women and femmes from the, the retreat, um, just sharing some poems, as well as Trapita and I. Um, and for that, we just really envision showcasing just a small part of this community, um, you know, generationally too, having some, some young poets, very young poets and maybe preteen and also some elders um, and some aunties like ourselves, I guess. Um, and, you know, just representing the breadth of the community or at least a, a piece of that, that we can. And, you know, starting a tradition hopefully with this event um, that of that private and public aspect of writing um, and space for writers to develop and, and be nurtured within a community setting. Folks can't see us on the radio, but I just want to let everyone know that both me and Rashid are smiling very broadly <laughs> because we are both are big fans of literature and Rashid, what is one of your favorite books? Beloved, um, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we are very like full of heart and warmth when we are hearing about just the sensual and just like rich and fulfilling experience that y'all have set up. And I think Aubrey is just a wonderful place for that. And yeah, I just wanted to personally thank you both for just creating these experiences because I really think that both of you are the ones that can really create these movements and these moments in Philadelphia. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Wow, that is so sweet. Thank you. Thank you. And look, and we're we're going to be a part of it too. So uh, uh, I think a small part of it is um, these are the things that we want created for us, right? Um, this is that, you know, you go somewhere and, you know, there are many, many beautiful things happening in the city. But I mean, we're just driven by this vision of, wow, when these um, sisters walk into this space to have this sense of, you know, I'm being taken care of, I'm being counted, I'm, I'm being valued. You know, that that's I think that just takes it over the top for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I just want to ask before we let you go, is there anything else that y'all want to add to this? I mean, overall fruitful conversation. It's been definitely a joy for me. Well, I think I want to just reiterate what Yolanda was saying. And I know Yolanda, I don't know if you want to chat about the procession piece, but the fact that there are two components of this, the first part is, so it's happening on the 30th, it's an Albury Arboretum. And the first part is this, pub, is this private part that's happening with black women and black femme poets. And then in the afternoon, we are inviting the public uh, through, you, know, you can go to uh, our consensus website and we are inviting the public for this public piece. You do have to register um, from three to five in the afternoon, that's the public component. And that's happening just you know on the 30th of July. And then there's another part of it. I don't know if we wanna to touch on that now or, or surprise the folk later. We're going to surprise them, and, okay. let them and, and let them just marinate on it, honestly, because, you know, it's we're in the moment. And I yeah. guess in the moment, you know, I would like to say 
just to express my gratitude for Trapita, this process and just our mm. patience and love for each other in this process has been <laughs> really rewarding. Um, yes. I mean, because we have such a radical honesty and sisterhood that we're yes. cultivating through this work. Um, and I'm just thankful to Monument Lab and Regeneration and, and the Mellon Foundation who funded this project and like mm. saw our work as important and funded it. And thankful to just the Germantown community for always lifting us up, you know, in the mm -hmm. way that y'all know how, because um, that's been a long time boost for me. So, and I know Trapita as well. So we thank yes. you. Yes, well said, Sister Yolanda. Love you and thank you for this partnership uh, and everything that you say. And then Maleka and Rashid, we know y'all doing the work. I see the newsletter letters and I see the work. I see the community getting deep with these conversations and we're grateful to you for allowing you know for having this platform for us to share as well and gotta love the germantown community they will show up for you show up sometimes show out but definitely <laughs> show up for you <laughs> you definitely yes. said that and i'm just going to ask where people can again like where they can take the survey and then also um for folks who want to who are interested who can sign up for the clearing app they can all find that on the website, um, www.consensusphl.com. And that's C-O-N-S-E-N-S-I-S-P-H-L.com. And there you have it. So Yolanda and Trapita, I just want to thank you once again for just taking time out of y'all busy schedules to just come and converse with the Info Hub about the Consensus Project. And you're both, again, doing fantastic work, very essential work um, and important work. And we just hope that it continues to blossom. And we're going to let you both go. But we want to say just please take care of yourselves and each other. And we look forward to sharing space with you again soon. Oh, thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, guys. Take Have care. a good one, y'all. Right, you too. Peace. Bye-bye. That was Yolanda Wisher and Trapita Mason talking about their consensus project. And, well, Germantown, it is about that time. If you have a story that you want to hear covered, please contact us at gtown.infohub at gmail.com. Or you can text InfoHub to 73224 to start asking us some questions. And additionally, we encourage our listeners to text the Equally Informed text line, which is another program under Resolve Philly, which allows Philadelphians to gain access to information regarding Philadelphia services. Equally Informed Philly is a direct response to the COVID-19 pandemic, and their team works hard to bridge the information divide, reducing barriers for vulnerable residents who need trustworthy information, information to live and thrive in Philadelphia, and they also invest deeply in underestimated voices and community storytellers. Equally Informed also provides a community-driven print newsletter. We actually have a new newsletter coming out now, and it's being distributed this week. And the Equal Info Line, a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service that also provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. To start asking questions, you can text Equal Info to 73224. And that is about it. Please remember that I am Rashida Jamu, a.k.a. Philly's Freedom Join. And I'm Maleka Fruin. Thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always. And while we may not be thanking this heat wave, we do thank you to our guests for coming and speaking with us today. And until next time, good night, night Germantown. Germantown.